Gennaro Rewind, hosted by Matt Namofsky. Hello, NRL fans. Welcome back to the NRL Rewind podcast. I'm your host, Matt Namofsky, and welcome back to Round 6 Teamless Tuesdays. I've got Chris on the line. Chris, how are you, mate? Very good, Matt. Thank you for having me back again. No worries, mate. Now, I've just come back from work. Uh, I've dived into the team list about 10 minutes ago, and there are some shockers. I'm sure we're about to really dive in here and get some instant reactions to some of the some of the coaches thinking here. So we'll, do- we'll dive straight into it. The first game on Thursday night, the Brisbane Broncos hosting the Panthers from Suncorp Stadium. For the Broncos, some huge changes. Anthony Milford, the million-dollar man, has been dropped. So Brody Croft moves into the into the 5'8 spot. Tessie New has been dropped from the center. So Jesse Arthur comes into the center spot there. Ben Teo is out uh, with a, he's obviously got a torn bicep, so he's out for 12 weeks. So Ethan Bullymore comes into the reserves, uh, into the interchange bench. Patrick Garrigan returns for suspension. Uh, so he will start a lock, pushing Davido Panko Jr. into the second row. And Jordan Ricky is moved back to the bench. For the Panthers, they are unchanged 1-17 to from the team that uh, faced Canberra last week. And two notes on their injury front there. Dylan Edwards looking like he's going to be two weeks away from his hand injury. And Api Corusel at least over three weeks away from his wrist. So, Chris, this is an interesting one. Obviously, all the all the changes here is on the Broncos side and some interesting ones. What, what do you make of all the changes that uh, Kevin Walters has done there? We can take it. One step at a time. Let's start off with the two people that I have in my super coach, you know, mm-hmm. Jordan Ricky and Tavita Pangai Jr. Uh, let's start with uh, TPJ. I look at this as, you know, it can be a benefit and it could be a downside. Now, the benefit is if we can get Pangai Jr. lining up against, you know, a tiny Jerome Luai, Nathan Cleary, you know, one-on-one, a little palm off and a little offload, that's it. There's going to be, you know, try score down the outside. But then at the same time, if the ball isn't going towards his direction, he's going to be, you know, real quiet. I've, I've seen with the Broncos, some games they favor Alex Glenn's side. Sometimes they favor, you know, whoever's on the number 12 side, you know, Jordan Ricky as previous. So I'm just looking to see how they're going to use um, the ball in this case, which side they're going to be running a bit more towards. Fingers crossed is going down um, Pangai Jr. side. <clears throat> now with Jordan Ricky, uh, four forwards on the bench, I'm just... I'm just curious to see how he's going to be used in this forward rotation. It, I, obviously, you know, he's in my team, so I've been watching him pretty closely. He he hasn't been doing that, you know, that bad. I reckon he's been doing really well, being very active, you know, looking for the ball himself, running some great lines. I just think in you know, the opposition just had, you know, much better defense, in my opinion. What about you, Matt? Yeah, the, the four forward um, on the bench, it does – ring a little bit interesting here because you look at look at just look at the forward pack for Brisbane who's starting here. So Jake Turbin's not going to get a rest. Alex Glenn plays 80 minutes. Carrigan likes to play close to 80. So now you're looking at Haas who likes to play around that 60, 65, 70. So between Lodge and Tavita Pengai Jr., you now need to find some minutes for Flegler, Bullim or Asiad who's going to be kind of in your middle rotation. And on an edge, I guess, yeah, is is Pengai and Ricky just going to share, share the load there? From Jordan Ricky, you know, he, he's been playing well. He's he's very raw. He, was, he came into this season, you know, hadn't played that many first-grade games. I think, you know, the first couple of rounds, his defense was okay. There were, there were some hits and misses, but definitely in the later half of the, in the last couple of rounds, I thought he's come on really well. Obviously, he's in a team that's getting thumped at the moment, so not really getting to show his true potential. But I'm with you. I think the Jordan Ricky one's a bit of a surprise to me. 
I would have thought Carrigan would have had to make his way back uh, through the interchange bench in this side. I thought, you know, his performances in the last season, even started this season, hasn't really um, deserved to be a walk-in straight-in starter in this side. Um, so it's interesting. Um, obviously, like you said, the Pengai Jr. on an edge, channeling his uh, inner day for feeder, running at the smaller halves. It could work, but I'm with you. I'm, I'm a little bit stumped as to how Kevy's kind of going to It'll be very interesting to see how they try and share the minutes to see and make sure everyone gets the best out of each other. Mm. What about Milford? That's the big one for me. So I've spoken about it. We've spoken about it. We don't want Croft in this team. We thought that Dearden and Milford, you've got to give these guys a chance to gel together. Six rounds in, Milford's in a reserve grade. What's what's your thinking there? Obviously, uh, Dearden and Croft in the halves. How do we see this going? I can just see each half just looking at each other and expecting the other person to to do something. With Milford, yes, he's you know hasn't sort of lived up to the hype, but I don't think he's that bad. I feel like the criticism towards him is just too harsh. I I just think it's because of that money tag to him. Like you throw the ball to him, you can expect him to do something with the ball. And I think when we were you know on the podcast together last time, you can't expect him to not do something if let's say the team's losing you know if no one else is going to stand up and if he decides to stand up why is he going to be the one to take the four i i just don't see it he should still be at that number six i just wish that kevin walters can just you know after this game just realize look he's made the mistake let's bring him back in i i i'm I'm just lost for words at this point yeah it's it's such a great point like when when this team is not firing when the forwards getting rolled over and your one creative half who's milford tries you know these little things and I hear the commentators, you know, going, you've got to have better, better control over the team. But when you're down by 30 and you're looking for some spark, what, what, what else? Like, okay, let's go this week. And Brody Croft and Tom Dean is going to take turns kicking the ball 40 meters down the field. The other team rolls up and scores. And I just don't, I don't see the upside. Dearden is a guy that can control the, control the play, get the guys to where they need to go. Milford's off the cuff can make things happen to me. They're not getting the results because the rest of the team isn't that great. It's not about Milford. It's a bad player. You're exactly right. It's the million dollar. If he was on 500,000 and Croft was on a million, it'd be the opposite. Like, you know, it's, it's all about the, the price tag. And sometimes we need, we need to remove the price tag from the, from the view of these players and say, how is Anthony Milford in this team? How it's currently constructed meant to perform. So I'm with you. I'm stumped. I'm going to be very interested to see Croft and uh, Dean together. Um, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting from the Panther side quickly. Obviously, no changes, but they keep rolling. They really did a number on the Raiders last week. Pretty convincing in the end. Um, this game's not going to challenge them, but moving forward, we're, are the Panthers, are, are we walking towards the minor premiership again? Or do you see that, you know, maybe around origin time this year that they didn't have to cope with last year? Is there a chance that they, their depth and their personnel might be tested a little bit more? Uh, yes, you did raise a good point, you know, with Origin not being around that sort of middle time of the year last year, you know, they did have the opportunity to sort of roll through with consistency. So, you know, it could swing either way. Um, one point I wanted to point out was Stephen Crichton and the Charlie Staines. I mean, I, I would have preferred to see maybe Charlie Staines at fullback. I'm not sure if he mentioned if that was his preferred position, but Stephen Crichton did look a bit shaky at the back. I would have preferred to see him maybe in the centers, uh, whether that means pushing Matt Bird or Paul Momorowski out. I still would have loved to see that change, you know, just try to see what you have there. Um, they will be challenged. 
if that origin rolls around. You take out two of the best halves combinations, which, you know, sneak preview, they will mm -hmm. be the New South Wales halves, in my opinion. Um, yeah, you take those two out, yeah, it's going to be a different sort of ship, you know, different sort of captain leading this sort of team around. So, Yeah, definitely. All right, we'll move on to the next game. It's the first Friday night game. It is the Newcastle Knights hosting the Cronulla Sharks from the John Doan Stadium in Newcastle. For the Knights, obviously got Caitlin Ponga back last week. Three more big ins for the Knights this week. Bradman Best, Kurt Mann and Jacob Sarfetti all take their place back in this side. So Bradman Best means that uh, Shibasaki drops out of the side altogether. Connor Watson moves back into the lock position. Uh, Kurt Mann goes back into 5'8". That drops uh, Sawato Su back into the interchange bench. And we've also got uh, Braden Musgrove, who's um, going to be se selected on the wing to make his debut. So Tex Hoy and Edric Lee are still a couple of weeks away. Uh, so that's the changes for the Knights. For the Sharks, there's two HIA changes. So Wade Graham and Josh Duke have both failed their HRAs this week. So Connor Tracy moves from the bench into the center spot to replace Dugan. Bridden Okora is back from suspension, so he will take the whole of Wade Graham. And Talakai is back on the bench, uh, playing his first game of the season. So obviously this is the first game here, Chris, that's going to be a bit more interesting in terms of the result. Newcastle coming off a very demoralizing loss to the Titans last week. And the Sharks just got pipped to the end by the Roosters. What are you expecting to see in this game? Uh, going to see... Bit of a tussle, I'd say. You know, you got, from the looks of it, four forwards on each bench. So I'm going to guess, you know, there's going to be a lot of rotation with the forwards. So we're going to see a lot of, you know, winding them up from the back fence, hitting it up. Really good, you know, solid contact um, uh, interactions. Um, curious to see, uh, definitely, um, Teague Wilton. Uh, he's swapping over to the other side. So he was very effective on the 11, but whether he has the same effect number 12, um, is, you know, the question to be asked. Um, that does mean Blake Braley could potentially play uh, 80 minutes. Um, William Kennedy, oh, man, that guy just keeps getting better and better, for he's sure. So he's in my he's team. So so. He's so good, man. Um, uh, and I just hope that the Knights were able to find their mojo. We, we talked about potentially them going, you know, on a win streak. If, if they, you know, put out that sort of effort last week, uh, they, you could see them slipping and slipping even lower. Yeah, it's you know we we put the mix put the uh, jinx on them. We were like, where they're going to go up to round nine? They're going to be undefeated. They just you know obviously you can say they've been snake bit with the injury curse, and you know they've had some key players go in and out of their side, but their effort levels just haven't been there. And some in some of the results, that Tigers game, obviously eighteen errors. They should have won that game. They threw it away last week against the Titans. That Titans team just really had a nice game plan against them. They really targeted some players like you know Blake Green. He's a good player, but obviously he was coming off his injury. Kalen Ponga was obviously well underdone. He didn't have a real chance to ease back into this through a preseason. So he's just been thrown into the deep end with his team struggling. But they've still got one of the better four packs in the comp, you know. Clemmer, Saifidi, Frazel, Barnett. You know, there's definitely some guys in there that can carry it. And I'm really interested to see, like you said, the Wiltons, the Rudolph, the Nakora coming back. It's going to be a very good forward battle. And to me, it's going to come down to the halves between Kurt Mann and Blake Green versus Chad Townsend and Matt Moyland. Uh, because obviously, both teams have great fullbacks, and Kennedy is now starting to move into that upper echelon of the fullbacks in the comp. So it's all about the halves for me. How surprised are you with Matt Moyland and Chad Townsend without Sean Johnson? They've really gelled. And, you know, again, last week they didn't get the win, but they threw a haymaker at the Roosters and nearly, nearly tumbled them. 
Mm, definitely. I, I, the way I've been watching the, the Sharks play, uh, Matt Morton particularly, he, he's just got such lovely hands. Like he, I think he sort of started to accept that, you know, he wasn't the young man that he once was, you know, breaking tackles, charging at the line. So it's really good to see he's developed even further. He's, you know, silky hands, you know, cut out that ball. It just hits Will Kennedy right on that chest. And then he's flying through, you know, throwing the dummy or even for Kennedy to throw that cut out ball with, you know, some extra space. It's just so good to see him, you know, um, master such, you know, a, fa- a fundamental part of being, being a half. Um, another person I've been, I, I just noticed is Talakai being back on the bench. He is number mm. 17 and he is going to be a wrecking ball. Keen to see him, you know, start, back i believe for his first game of the year it is yeah um yeah so i'm definitely going to probably see him somewhere in the middle and he's going to run over some small small blokes you know Jaden braley watch out you know yeah and, and he's obviously got the flexibility where you know if connor tracy on that edge is getting picked on a little bit they can easily put talakai into the centers like they did last season and you can see him running out there opposite like you know he could run at a brad if you want to tire out bradman best to really take away his striking attack just throw talakai out there for 20 minutes and just batter him for a couple of sets, you know, these are the type of things that this Sharks team, the Sharks and the Dragons to me, are the two teams in the comp that can just throw weird matchups at different teams. Like we didn't get a chance to talk about it, um, but that Dragons para game on Sunday mm. was just one of the more frustrating ones as a para fan because all the things I thought about this Dragons team could be and how they're so versatile and that they can just like, you know, a really tricky player like a Jack Bird on an edge, they got Rava Lava. To me, this is the same team, you know, a Harodi comes in, you know, who's been in a couple of clubs now and, you know, he's just a great finisher. Connor Tracy, who, you know, hasn't really found his position in first grade, but he just missed a fix it at the moment. He's going in there. Like you said, Matt Moylan playing some beautiful, beautiful footy. It's not the Panthers Moylan running like Kamikaze at fullback into the line. He's not trying to, like you said, step and do the old 2003 Benji Marshall. He's just really composed. He digs into the line, offers a really good ball. So this Sharks team is really impressive. And to me, if I'm picking an away team this week to win uh, in a in a close game, this is one, you know. I could definitely see the Sharkies going up there and taking the win from the Knights. It's going to be really big for the Knights. You know, Kalen Ponga, a lot's already on his shoulders, you know, second game back. Um, but what did you make from his performance? Obviously, like I said, he was undercooked and, you know, that that goose step up of feeder to get him through. I think if that was uh, fully in the season, Kalen Ponga, that doesn't really happen to him. But I guess my question to you is, can Kalen Ponga start to really get in that match fitness straight away where you can really start to turn the ship for this Knights team without a Mitch Pierce and without some of the other injured players they have. If Mitch Pierce was back, I would definitely say he can do that. I think he'll still take him a couple games. He was out for pretty much the whole off season and people seem to underestimate how, how effective a full off season training, you know, with your team, you know, getting into the groove, you know, knowing the different sets of plays can make such a big difference. You can't expect someone to sort of slot back in and learn everything that your whole team spent, you know, months learning. Um, But on the topic of, you know, the team gelling together, John Morris being sacked or parting ways effective immediately, I think it's going to have a much larger impact than people think. The team has thrown their, their support out towards John Morris and, even the team themselves were, were shocked that, you know, John Morris got sacked. Do you think they would step up and just to try and show that, you know, his great work is still evident? Or do you think they're going to, you know, have this residing in their mind? It can go both ways, you know. The Chad, the Sean Johnson interview on the Mayor John show on, on Sunday where he just 
basically he was writing for John Morris. He was saying, you know, he came into the club after Flanagan was axed. So, you know, came in off the back foot already. He never had control of the recruitment. Um, you know, he was always up against it. And we all said, you know, at the start of this season, you know, it was it was one of my preseason predictions that John Morris would be let go before the season ends. But it was I thought it was because they would be right down the bottom of the ladder without Sean Johnson. Mm. But this team has turned it around. And honestly, they're one of my favorite teams to watch at the moment because just the way that he gets them up every week and some players that, you know, were in reserve grade a couple of years ago and have matured in the first grade is under John Morris, you know. Like a guy that's not even here right now who should be a big part of this team is Bronson Cherry. Don't forget, he was supposed to be the New South Wales center for the next 10 years, and that was John Morris who gave him his chance in first grade. Toby Rudolph, Will Kennedy was in that Newtown side. John Morris was the one that gave him the opportunity. So I think a lot of the players in this team do owe a lot to John Morris. And like you said, it can go two ways. They can really aim up and give him the, the send-off, I guess, that he deserves. Or it can just be a lingering thing. And, you know, some guys who are off contract might go, I don't want to be here next year. So it's going to be very interesting. It's it's from, from a club perspective to do it now, the way they've done it, it can really torpedo a season or it can really galvanize a season. So I think we'll know within a couple of weeks anyway what, what the answers are going to be. Uh, but, yeah, it's, it's a good point by you. It's, it's a big news that just broke today. And um, it'll be definitely a factor in my one way or another. It'll be a huge factor into how this game goes. Mm. All right, we'll move on to the second Friday game. It's the game of the round. The Melbourne Storm hosting the Sydney Roosters at Amy Park in Melbourne. For the for the Melbourne Storm, they are one to seventeen as uh, listed as last week. Branko Lee still amongst the reserves, so hasn't quite. Um, it's an interesting one. He was supposed to be, you know, he was a chance for round one with a hamstring injury. We're now up to round six and he's still on the on the reserves. Dale Fanuka not listed as well on the reserves, so he's still a couple of weeks away. From the Roosters, uh, Ben Marchese. You help me out here with Chris. I haven't really got the pronunciation with Ben yet. Uh, I'm guessing Marshke. Marshke. I, I haven't. Marshke, yeah. Marshke, beautiful. So Ben Marshke has got off from the judiciary, you've told me. So he's now fit, uh, free to play. So he's listed at the number nine jersey. And they've also got Lindsay Collins returning from his head knock and ankle injury on the bench. Adam Kieran is also back on the bench. Uh, he was obviously out since round one with his broken forearm. And Fletcher Baker goes back to the reserves. So for this one, again, you know, Melbourne flying high, a couple of impressive wins. The Roosters had to really dig deep to get the win last week. It's a top of the table clash. How do you see this one going? I'm going to see this as the battle of the number ones. We've got Ryan Pappenhausen taking on James Tedesco. Is it crazy to say that I would love to see Ryan Pappenhausen at number one for New South Wales, but at the same time, how do you go past, you know, James Tedesco's calibre? Uh, this is just going to be a great battle. Just sum it up with those two words, it's going to be a great battle. Huge forwards run each other, and then the back line is just going to throw out these beautiful sort of cutout boards. They're going to, you know, cut back in, you know, run beautiful lines. It's just going to be professional team versus professional team, and you, you're going to expect some great plays, I'd say. Oh, like you said, Pappenhausen versus Tedesco, to me, NRL, like you said, who's wearing the number one? You know, logic says it's Tedesco. You know, he's still the best player in the game. But the way Ryan Havenhausen's playing, Ryan uh, in our draft made a pretty, you know, he said to me, because he had the first pick this year and he obviously picked Tedesco, but he said, you know, if the draft was tomorrow and I knew what I knew now, would Pappenhausen go one? Like it, it's got that got close where 
Pappenhausen's in that that rich vein of form where, you know, you're, you're talking about him being the best player in the comp at the moment. And James Tedesco obviously lost his primary playmaker, a couple of injuries. But, you know, it, the fact that we can have, even have this discussion around six just shows how far Ryan Pappenhausen's elevated his game. And that takes nothing away from James Tedesco, who by all accounts is still the best player in the in the world. But like you said, the battle of the ones can be so good. And, you know, again, an, another interesting battle to me is the battle of the halves. You've got some really experienced halves now in Munster and Hughes versus Hutchison and Walker. And, you know, Sam Walker, we know what he did the last two weeks. Hutchison's really starting to come into his own as the number six as well. The two ways these guys really construct their plays, which side do they target? You know, you've got Tupo versus Adokar. You've got uh, B-Mores against Jennings. You know, there's so many different variations in this game of how They've, you know, they've, they've played grand finals against each other in the last couple of seasons. They've had games of the years. It's just going to be such an interesting battle. And, you know, that forward pack, you know, there's injuries on the Rooster side, a couple of players out on the on the Storm side. To me, it's just still what a great game this is going to be. How, how do you see, you're obviously, you're obviously the Harry Grant owner in our league. Harry Grant at 14, do you think Craig Bellamy might do the old switcheroo and uh, pull a Kamakamika and Solomona switch with Brandon Smith at nine? Or do we see Harry Grant Coming off the bench like last week, let the sting come out of the game and then inject Harry maybe 20 minutes in. Um, I don't think he's going to do the switcheroo with Brandon Smith and Harry Grant. I do see the appeal in leaving Brandon Smith on for maybe that first 20 minutes, like you said. I think that gives you know Harry maybe a chance to just to... Because he's such a heads-up player. Maybe on the sideline, he may be noticing a couple you know, mm. um, strategies, little things like that. So when he does get on, he might pick pick them apart, you know, see a couple gaps that you know some other people haven't been noticing. Um, with Nyasa Asafa Solomon and Tui Kamikamifa, I, I do see that going to be the switch. Um, but I just don't see having Nico Hines and Harry Grant on the interchange. So two, you know, non, you know, prop or second front row players. It's not very, you know, Melbourne Storms like, or, you know, very common that you see amongst the NRL teams. Now, usually it's just either a hooker or a utility and the other three being, you know, forward. So I'm wondering whether he's going to make a last minute change there. Uh, I might also see maybe a Lindsay Collins, coming on for Isaac Liu in the forward, you know, starting forward. I think Lindsay Collins just does so much better, you know, starting off. You know, he brings such great energy. He runs such great lines. Um, but the one person I do want to see step up a bit more is Victor Radley. He hasn't been taking the line on as much as last year. You know, obviously due to the ACL injury, there could be a little fear factor in it. Maybe still trying to ease in those, you know, that uh, knee. But would love to see him. This is going to be the match where he sort of need to take that little step up, you know, take on that extra responsibility and just really run at that line. Yeah, to me, I think the Roosters are going to win this game. I think Victor Radley needs to be close to man of the match. Uh, you've seen in the last two weeks that shape that he offers and, you know, that he's really that first or second uh, receiver who gets the ball into the places it needs to go. Obviously, first game, a couple of balls hit the ground. Second game, started really hitting towards the end of the game. I think this is the one he's now three weeks in. He's getting real comfortable in the game. I think this is where if the Roosters are going to come out here, Going to need a huge Tedesco and a huge Radley game, in my opinion. But I do want to throw one more thing at you um, in this game before we do move on. I've got a hot take for you, Chris. All righties. Is Christian Welch the best prop in the game? Just in terms of his development, in terms of the last couple of seasons and the way he's really, the way he casts the ball, the way he's just got that, that he's got that little slower variation in his passing before the line if he does need to throw it out the back to a Munster or to a Hughes. 
to me, I just think he's so underrated. And, you know, you can plug and play him. You know, he's played Origin. I could definitely see him in an Australian jersey at the end of the year. I just think he's just, you know, he's just one of those, maybe not the best prop in the game, but the easily the most underrated prop in the game and has a chance to be, you know, with a month, another year or two. Now he's injury-free for the most part. I just think he's coming on leaps and bounds with his team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he... He is definitely someone that I have been keeping my eye on since last year. I did have him my side towards the end of last year, and I have noticed his, you know, exponential growth as a prop. I think he's just developing his game a little bit more, bit more wisely. I think last year he was a bit, you know, eager to throw to try and create that, you know, magic sort of offload and and ensure that you know maybe a run Pappenhausen's going in for that try. But I think he sort of simplified his game in the correct areas but also expanded his game in the correct areas as well he knows when to sort of run it up a bit harder than usual i think i did see him throw you know some pretty neat you know out the board you know to the halves or to the um to the fullback but yeah i I can definitely see him being that upper echelon sort of 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 props now he has definitely improved from being just you know on and off the interchange but now to starting for number 10 you know in one of the best you know teams in the nrl you know that just says a lot about you know his development i do agree there yeah great all right we'll move on to the first saturday game from mudgy we got the manly sea eagles hosting i guess in this game the gold coast titans for Manly, we can't go past gun fullback Tom Turbo making his uh, return from his hamstring injury suffered in the offseason. Uh, just in time as Dylan Walker has sustained his own hamstring injury, so he'll be out for an extended period of time. Ola Kowatu uh, moves into the second row spot for the injured Jack Kajeski, who looks like he's out for the season. Uh, Kate Cuss is back uh, on the bench after returning from a virus, which means Tavita Funa drops back to the reserves. And for the Titans, they're unchanged 1-17 to after their huge thumping. Phil Summit is the only one to mention. He's in the HIA protocol. Uh, so Jonas Pearson moves into the reserves, and he would be his uh, his reserve there. So this is your team, Chris. You got up last week. Daly Cherry-Evans kicks you to victory, as he always does in those situations, it seems like. This is a much stiffer competition in the Titans. How do you see this one going? Uh, it's going to be... I'm still going to say it's going to be the Titans. We'll just go off by the history. I think the the game with the Manly versus Warriors, Warriors did make quite a few uncharacteristic errors. They just weren't gelling right. And we only just escaped with that one point. So, you know, thankfully we did get the, the two points. But I don't see the, the Titans, you know, um, being that sort of sloppy, as bad as the Warriors were last week. They were pretty pretty good last week you know it was basically the david feeder show um based off this this lineup he's lining up against our rookie uh you know fingers crossed that you know he's able to stand his ground but um i I don't know man i I think this one i i'm just curious just to see tommy turbo let's just leave it that i'm just curious just to see him in full flight hopefully i just want to see the magic he weaves again and and let's just cross all my toes all my fingers that we do win but i'm not holding my breath though it's one of the it's one of the rare inclusions into a team that can happen in the NRL where your view of the team just totally changes. To me, when Tom Turbo is not in this team, we've seen it. Manly is a, a bottom three side, bottom four side. But with Turbo, as we said, he's not going to fix all the problems. But God, he's a good player to drop in there and make some things happen. So, you know what? I'm still going to tip the tides in this one, but do I feel a ton times better that Tom Turbo's going to come in and make this team look a lot better than it is. Hell yeah, I think he can do that. I think just his 
if he's around the middle of a ruck and he's sniffing around that ball and, you know, you're seeing Croker pick up the ball and passing to a forward, but you see Turbo just sniffing around the middle there, that's all you need to see, you know. The one interesting thing I will mention is he hasn't played since round 19 last year. Do you remember what round 19 was last year? I don't remember what game it is, but it was definitely the game that you captained against me. It was the game I captained in the semifinal of our super coach. And it was against the Titans. And it was the game that Phil Sammy absolutely, do- uh, sorry, AJ Brimson absolutely dominated. So there is a little bit of history in this game in terms of Tom Turbo. He didn't have his best game at all. He got injured at the end of the game. So I don't think it's going to play a part, but just something to mention that, you know, they have played each other relatively recently, um, similar lineups, and uh, they were able to really come out with it. But again, from a Manly side, you've got Turbo back. You know, Josh Schuster seems like he's been a bit of a revelation in the second row. I think he's really starting to hold down that spot. Curtis Sirian should be back in the next couple of weeks. So they're starting to get players. You know, Morgan Harper played last week that I loved. Didn't have his greatest game, you know, but every time he touched the ball, I felt a lot better than Moses Sully touching the ball a couple of weeks ago. And, you know, and as a Manly fan, I'm sure that you're very happy that Dylan Walker experiment at fullback is over. Obviously, you don't want him to get injured, but the fact that he's not wearing number one this week probably excites you a lot. So there's things from a Manly perspective to go, Look, probably not the best team to come up against the rampaging Titans this week, but I think you're going to start seeing some things and you'll take away some positives this week to go, okay, I can see where this team may go this week. But from a Titan side, you said it, the Dave Fafita show, his absolute domination of the of the Knights. And it really just un- it really underscores some of the other great performances in that game. I thought Tyron Peachy had a blinder. The way he's playing that number 13 role, he's just, like we said before the season, we're all about these smaller 13s that can come in here and do a job, ball play, shift across field, still punch their hole through their head through the hole if they need to. To me, Peachy's been great. Tino, obviously, and Jared Wallace up front. When they go off, you've got Lasone, you've got Jolliffe coming on. To me, the four pack, the way that they bought, a guy like SES, he can't even crack the 17. You know, he, he was a player who should be playing big minutes at a lot of other clubs, but this this Titan side is playing great. And, you know, Corey Thompson, your new boy, who you picked up in our in our draft league, they're just players just overperforming, and that's exactly what you want in a team. It seems like Justin Holbrook's got them revving exactly where they need to go. What, what do you see from this Titans team in terms of how far do you think this can go? If it's to the point now that they're not making any changes to one to seventeen, you know, I think they've found their winning formula. I, I personally don't see any changes they need to make you know we've got one of the brightest fullbacks back there you've got you know philip sami brian kelly corey thompson patrick like just looking at that back line mm. it may not be you know that something like a roosters line but it's pretty up there you know it's just they, they work so well together um but my god i just i have to blink twice to that that forward pack like the way they managed to secure those sort of plays and the way that you know jared wallace has resurrected his career yeah. like literally brought back from you know the graves of the graves to where he's now i think he's going to be you know in the origin team again and just seeing you know a little shout not even a little one but to aaron clark this sort of reminds me of when manly had you know manasi and um api Corosau, yeah, where shot. yeah so when aaron clark jumps on we're not getting a moses Mbai, you know show even though he's a half i think he this aaron clark just seems to have that sort of effect that Manasi had when he came on, you know, just having that little explosion, knowing when to run, it just eases those forwards so well 
to the point where if they're dominating, they can just bring on those three forwards on the interchange, you know, Fodaweka, Lisane, Jolof, and just give those sort of, you know, David Fida, Fasumala, Ojai Wallace that rest, you know, if they're, you know, stomping the opponent team, which potentially could happen against Manly, so... Yeah, I think the one thing I will just to round it off, it's a professional team. And for the Titans in a lot of years, it wasn't talented, it wasn't professional. And the way that Justin Holbrook's really got this side, like you said, they've got the winning formula right now. And just hoping for them, no injuries, no suspensions, they just keep it rolling. Move on to the second game on Saturday. It's the, it's the South Sydney Rabbitohs hosting the West Tigers at Stadium Australia. For the Rabbits, Cody Walker returns from suspension to reclaim his number six jumper. That pushes Benji Marshall back to the bench and Dean Hawkins moves out of the side altogether. An interesting one just to mention, Liam Knight, who was indefinitely ruled out with his uh, concussions, has been named in the number 19 jersey. So he has a chance in either this week or next week to return. For the Tigers, this is the one we'll talk about here. So many changes from Madge, obviously. It was a huge loss, um, you know. Losing to the Cowboys at Leichhardt on Tom Rodonicus day, you know, it was all set up for them and they crashed and burned. So he swung the axe once again. So Jacob Little, gone all the way to the reserves. Jake, Jake, Sims, Jake Simpkins into the number nine jersey. Joanna Lua failed his HIA. So Kapoa is into the centres. Stefano Uitkamanu is now starting prop. So that moves Zay Musgrove back to the bench. So, again, that's a lot of changes here. So, we'll go to the rabbit side quickly because this will be a lot easier. Cody coming back into this side. We saw Benji come in, do exactly what he needed to do there as the injury cover. Um, but let's, let's go more to the Tigers because I think this is where we're going to have our discussion here. W- where do you want to start? Do you want to take a player by player who got um, – I guess the, the two big players is Jacob Little and Stefano moving into the front row. Which one do you want to talk about first? Let's go a little, because that thing is, uh, I'm rubbing my eyes. Like, am I seeing things? To drop Jacob Little, not from, from the start to the interchange, but literally from the number nine to the number 18 in the reserves. Uh, am I, was I watching a different game? Was he really that bad where he had to be dropped completely? <laughs> this podcast is the Jacob Little fan club, so... I've been watching it very closely because he was one of the ones I kind of stuck, stuck my claim to to say, if the, tig- the Tigers need to go with Jacob Little, he's playing great. I, I don't I don't understand. Like the one thing, if you're going to say anything about him, his defense is solid. He, he does not miss many tackles at all. I think last week it was 45 tackles attempted and 44 makes one miss. So it can't be a defensive issue. From, from a passing and a service out of only half, He's prone to the one really flat ball that, you know, may get caught forward, may not get forward, but most most hookers in the game do that. So to me, obviously, Madge has looked at it and gone, where do I make my change? And from all reports, and I've checked the stats, Jake, Simpson, Jake Simpkins has um, been tearing up Q Cup. So he, he's having a rich vein, rich vein of form right now. Totally get that. That's great. Put him in the number 14 jersey for Moses and Bai. Why are, we, mm. why are we removing Jacob Little from this team, Chris? Help me out. But uh, the other thing is to to throw him against, uh, you know, a, a team such as the South Sydney Rabbitohs, do you – I don't see this to be the game to sort of throw that in. Like, yes, they didn't play their best game, but surely Match could have made some sort of change elsewhere that could have benefited the team. 
like I understand, you know, Stefano moving to the prop. Yes, he's had that great form. But can can we just, you know, put it to bed? You know, just hurry up the Moses Mbai just transition out of the Tigers, please. Like, I'm pretty sure he's already, you know, he himself has handed his resignation to the point where he said he understands he doesn't fit into this team. Uh, you know, there has to be a line that needs to be drawn where he has he needs to put the future of this this club first. You know, there has to be Jacob Little somewhere in this team. Please, please, can I can we call up Madge right after this podcast and tell him? Put him in, like, I, you're probably just, you know, messing with us, putting him in the reserves. And the last minute, it's like, haha, we'll, we'll bring him back in just, just to mess with, you know, some people. Please, yeah. let, let it be a very bad prank. You know? Like, obviously, it's just, to me, it's it's mind-blowing, you know. This season, okay, we're, they've got their one win now. You know, they've, they've lost some hard-working games, some games they shouldn't have lost. Season's not over by any means, you know, in round six. But realistically, are you making a push for the top four? Are you even making the top eight? Let's see what you got. You know what you don't got? It's Moses Mbai. He's gone next season. We're, we're done with this experiment. So if you want to play Jake Simkin, go ahead, play him, but don't move Little all the way to the 18 jersey. Like, to me, that's just ridiculous. But the one thing I do like, and I think you love as well, big Stefano moving into the front row. Uh, obviously, a super, coach, a super coach darling, you know, a cheapie just racking up money in fantasy and super coach. But just from even his own performances, when he's on the field, He's one of the few Tigers forwards that actually has a bit of go for him, a bit of grunt to him. What have you seen? He's, he's a young boy. He's a big boy. But to me, the fact that Magis finally said, Musgrove and McKaylee, you're not the answer. It just, it makes the Jacob Little decision even more dumbfounding to me that he made such a smart decision in Stefano to say McKaylee and Musgrove aren't the answer. But then he's turned around and said, Little's not the answer and buys the answer. It's just, He's done one great thing and one just head-scratching thing. And then to add insult to injury, why is Luke Brooks to this day still number seven? Surely after that performance, after many years, how is he not dropped? Like, surely out of the entire Tigers reserve grade, we could put a prop there and he would have done a better job. Like, I'm not even joking you. There has to be someone anyone in the reserve grade we could have put there in number seven help me out here matt tell me tell me about luke brooks well my, my biggest thing coming into trt today was i was a thousand percent sure i would see jock madden in the reserves he played in the all the trials from all reports played really well you know half five eight i thought for all money uh you would have seen jock madden in in the reserves and, and that would have been the first bit of a wake-up call to luke brooks to say mate your replacement's in the reserves you, you're on notice but yet again, he has a very poor, a poor performance when they need it. And how do they react to this poor performance? They leave him in the team and don't put his replacement there. So, you know, he, Adam Dewey is showing you that he's a class player. I was wrong with Adam Dewey. I thought that he can't be the prominent playmaker of a team. I think he's a he's been great. And if he had a halfback who just did his X's and O's and, you know, didn't make the the silly mistakes that uh, Luke Brooks is prone to. Like, if you just saw a Jock Madden in there and say, Jock, pass the ball to your forwards, kick into the corner, that's all I want you to do. I think this Tigers team would be so much better off. But, you know, Madge is in, in a bit of a win-now mode, right? Like, you know, he's had a couple of poor seasons now, hasn't made the finals in a while. He's, he's on the clock, and that's why he was the other coach I said in my preseason 
prediction that I didn't think he would be at the club by the end of the season. And I think, you know, playing a Luke Brooks over a Jock Madden is a perfect example where if this was a coach that had real security about his position, I think the change would be made by now. What do you think? I mean, like his his position is, you know, under threat. There's no doubt about it. If the Tigers keep going the way they are, there's going to be rights. You saw the way that the Tiger fans just booed the entire Ooh. team off at that halftime. Like, we know Tigers fan as being super proud, even more proud at, you know, at their home ground of Leichhardt. And to see them, you know, being booed off, it just gave me, it just made me feel sorry for for the Tigers team. And I, I don't, I don't think they're entirely to blame. I know they're the ones out on the field, but surely the, I defend coaches all the time, but this is one where I just cannot defend Madge to keep Luke Brooks still there. And I remember you also saying, you know, Adam Dewey is going to be the dud for the Tigers. He, I honestly felt like he has made the six his own. I don't see him losing that at all. He seems to be the only one who is doing his role at this point, you know. Dane Laurie, yes, very good at fullback. Um, the backs, uh, I'm looking at it now. James Roberts, Asu Kapoa. Uh, James Roberts is cooked, uh, Chris. It's done. He, it's done. He's been given chance after chance. We, we, you know, it's like, you know, fool me once, you know, that this, this enough, it's enough. Kapoa is not your answer at center either. Mm-hmm. I, I just look. Even now, the more you keep reading this team, the more sort of holes you see. Joe Offerhand Gowie at second front row. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm done. Like I, I'm just ready to move on. I, it's just giving me like just an aneurysm just reading this team list. Really, it really is. And this is why you know I had a couple of Tigers fans in my life going, "You're crazy for thinking they're going to get the wooden spoon." I just looked at it and said, "In this roster." And the way that Madge coaches, and we know that Madge coaches, he coaches win now, and he does to a point. Like, to me, this is not 2015 James Roberts. There was ch- there was chances in that game last week that they were on that comeback, and at least twice James Roberts stunted that. Like, this is not the – like, everyone was saying, oh, North Luma had a shocker in defense. Well, it doesn't help that he's got a very cool James Roberts on the inside of him who can't defend and can't read, read defenses anymore. And like you said, Capola moving back into the centers. Give me Michael Chi came in the centers. Give me something. Let, like you said, let's move on because I can do an hour by myself on this Tigers team about, you know, they've got some cornerstones, but man, he makes some decisions that just scratches your head. Before we do move on from this game, though, let's just quickly go back to the South for one moment. Latrell. I think just want to give a quick shout out to Latrell. The form that he's in, Chris. You know, we, we spoke about Pappenhausen and Tedesco in the New South Wales fullback jersey. Let's not let's not forget about Latrell. Like, obviously, probably not going to get the one jersey, but he'll be in that origin side for sure, right? Uh, I don't want to spoil anything, mate. Uh, we, we do have a very <laughs> spicy New South Wales, uh, not just New South Wales, but an origin podcast coming up soon. So stay tuned for that. Well, we'll just leave it at that for now. Yeah, that's it. Well done. All right, we'll move on to the last game on Saturday. It's my beloved Parramatta Eels heading down the Hume to the GIOSAM to face the Canberra Raiders. For the Raiders, a huge change. So Charles Nickel Klockstad uh, failed a hazy HIA against the Panthers. It comes out that he's got a bulging disc in his neck. So 
potentially with rehab, looks like three to six weeks. With surgery, could be around the 10 weeks. So it's a huge, huge injury blow. So Caleb Bacon, off-season recruit, comes into the fullback spot. Curtis Scott makes his comeback from his rib injury. Then moves to Sebastian Chris back to the reserves. Josh Hodgson, who injured his hip against the Panthers, has been named to start. Ryan James, interestingly, has been dropped all the way out of the 21. So that means Joe Tarpany moves into lock. Emre Gula is the new face on the interchange bench. And for the Eels, two changes. Dylan Brown is suspended for one game for his crusher tackle. So Will Smith moves from the interchange bench into the number six jersey. Ryan Madison is again listed to make his uh, return from his concussion injury. Then moves Papali'i back to the bench. And Keegan Hipgrave is a new face on the bench replacing Will Smith. Chris, on this one, the Raiders obviously had a very poor game against the Panthers. It was a tough one. You know, they were in at the start. They faded away. Parramatta was never in this game against uh, the Dragons on Sunday. Two teams looking to bounce back. How do you see it going? Well, I don't want to say it's you, Matt, but I'm going to go with the, the Raiders. Um, just seeing the way that the Eels played last week, I I'll probably say they played a lot worse than the the Raiders did. Um, losing Dylan Brown isn't going to help your case at all. Um, I can definitely see a few missing hairs, a couple of gray hairs from you. Probably watching that game, you'll probably tearing your hair out. You'll probably, you know, having you know a stroke basically because, you know, I, I was watching that game too. And if I was an Eels fan, my God, I I, I would be just shocked. You know, um, yes, I support Manly, but I'm not holding too many high hopes there. But I, I do know, you know, with this sort of lineup, you do hold some pretty high standards um, for the Eels. But you know, come back to your question, I, I do see the the um, the Rays do you know taking out the win on this one. The other thing I just want to look at, you know, with the Eels, Ryan Madison, he has been listed to come back. I haven't checked any of the reports about how his concussion symptoms are going. He could potentially be out another week. Um, do you think we should be keeping Ryan Madison out for as long as maybe, for example, Boy Cordner, for example? Or do you think, you know, he needs to be back in the side? Because I thought Pop Papali was doing a great job at second front row. What, what do you think? Yeah, it's one of those ones where any time a concussion and repeat, repeat concussions come into it, you've just now all of a sudden got to be so careful with it. Um you know, he's been listed He's been listed to make his reserve. This will be the third week in a row. And they pulled him both times. So it won't shock me at all if we get to Friday and all of a sudden Madison's been ruled out again and probably he moves into the second row. I would like to see him um, take a little bit of a cautious approach, especially against a, such a physical team like the Raiders in Canberra, a cold Saturday night. You know, the, the turf is a little bit harder. Um, the tackles crunch a little bit more. You know, such a big four-pack they're versing, you know. Probably not the week I'd like to bring Matter back. If he's all if he's all cleared and he's got no symptoms and he's raring to go, you're never going to be able to keep a professional athlete out of the of the game. But yeah, I, I'd worry if he's if he's listed and plays, I'll, I'll be consistently every time he touches the ball, I'll be, I'll be worried. Which you never want to be that with one of your players. So to answer your question, yeah, I, I would love to see that, put him in the bubble wrap. Probably he's doing a good job. The one thing I don't like, Chris, and you know, you said how how, do, how did I like it last week? Look, it it was one of those. Brad Arthur's a very strict coach and a very he's a coach that preaches ball control and discipline. It was one of the most undisciplined games from Parramatta I watched, trying to score on every play. But to me, why is Bryce Cartwright in the middle of the field playing big minutes? Why do I look at my bench? Why do I look at my bench this week, Chris? And why do I see in the number sixteen jersey I see Kiki and Hipgrave, 
in the number 17 jersey, I'll see Bryce Cartwright. <laughs> Can I go back to my number one wall, Chris? If a good team lets you go, another team shouldn't sign them. If the Gold Coast Titans are flying this year and they've got the best four pack in the comp, why am I playing their two guys last year that they let go? I, I can't I, I can't do it, Chris. I can't do it. <laughs> Come on, man. We all know it's the Cardi party. Uh, he, he was doing, no, I'm kidding, bro. I was, so uh, ready to, I was so ready to buy into the Cardi party on an edge <laughs> in a pinch. Not in the middle of the field when they're trying to muscle up like the, the Dragons don't have a, a strong forward pack and they ate us. So, you know, now we come up against a team like I love Soliola and Papali starting as a front row combination than having a Ryan Sutton and Emery Gouler off the bench. Like if I'm a Raiders fan, the fact that you can just throw away a Dynamis Louis and a Ryan James and say, no worries, here's Soliola and Gula. Like I just, the, the talent in that forward pack, you know, and Paramount have a great forward pack. Our, one, our eight to 13 is great, but... It was to me the bench was always going to be an issue for Parramatta, and I think it's starting to rear its ugly head, unfortunately. Mm. Dylan Brown, you, you did mention it before. It's a huge out for us. Hasn't played his uh, best footy this year, um, but you know you saw even in that one try that he did break through the line, throw the ball to Gutho inside. You know he's got that that bit of dancing ability and can keep the defense honest. Will Smith will do an admirable job, you know, when he filled in for Mitch Moses for that half a game. Um, you know, again, did did a good job, but again, as a para fan, I'm not I'm not expecting a win here. I do want it to be much more close. I want it to be a lot more respectable than the game last week. Um, so that that's all I can ask for as a para fan. Maybe you can put uh Bryce Cartwright at number six, huh? Have that. Uh, we'll move on. <laughs> we'll, go, <laughs> we'll go on to the to the second last game of the round. It's the first Sunday game. At Nets Jubilee, the Dragons hosting the New Zealand Warriors. For the Dragons, 1-17 to the same. Josh Maguire, he has moved down from the Cowboys. He's in the reserve, so he has a strong chance of moving on to the interchange bench at some stage. Ben Hunt looks like he's two rounds away from returning from his leg fracture. For the Warriors, David Fusatua suffered a hamstring injury, so he is out. Peter Hiku returns from his knee injury. Marcelo Montoya did cop a head knock, but he is named. Alicia Katoa dropped out of the squad altogether. Very interesting one there. So Josh Curran gets his chance to start in the second row. And we've also got uh, we've got uh, Tanua Brown, who, who's returned from his suspension. He's been named amongst the reserves. Bunty Afoa returns from his suspension. He's moved on the interchange bench. So, Chris, on this one, it's an interesting one. You've got the Dragons who are flying high, the Warriors who have hit a bit of a low patch here, and it looks like Nathan Brown's trying to, trying to tinker with the team to get his exact squad. How do you see this one going? Uh, I'm thinking the the Dragons are going to win this one. Yes, the Warriors can have their best game against Manly, but I think the, the Dragons, you know, knock on wood, this is going to be their year where they're not, you know, March or April premiers. I, I think they can actually go quite a quite a fair way with, you know, um, Anthony Griffin at the helm. He just seems to use the team to the best of the ability. They, they may not have the best team, but he's doing basically what a John Morris did for the Sharks. He knows, you know, who to sub in at the right time. He knows who can make the, the best impact at certain times of the game. You know, a Daniel Alvaro jumping on, you know, unwanted by the Eels, but he's got a fantastic offload, you know, especially with Matt Dufty, you know, sniffing around the rock. 
you know, Trent Merrin, again, you know, back in his prime, again, throwing those uh, offloads. I, I just think he knows what's best for this team. And with Josh Maguire, you know, coming into his team, you know, potentially he could, you know, resurrect his career, you know, maybe slot into that number 13, you know. Uh, Tiro Fuimeona, I reckon he's a little bit better maybe on the edge, mm. um, you know. Josh Maguire has a sort of grunt in the middle, you know, that sort of leadership. He was very fired up at the Cowboys. I remember his sort of scathing, you know, interview towards his his teammates for not giving it a go. You know, he has that sort of fire, that passion, you know. I think that's just going to exemplify um the the Dragons even further. Uh I mean with the dra- I mean with the uh, the Warriors, um you know, not too many sort of changes, but I think this is a game that Cody and Sean O'Sullivan need to sort of sit down and sort of work out their plays a little bit better compared to last week. I think they sort of um, underestimated Manly a little bit. You know, they got a bit too, um, you know, they tried a few extra things, didn't work out very well, you know, quite a few knock-ons. But I think they should be able to, you know, iron things out a little bit more. Um, Pedahik on the wing, I liked him a bit more at the in the centres. Uh, the other thing I haven't really been watching too much, but most likely you have, is Toe Harris up in the, the front row. Uh, mm. how, how did you see him um, working up there, Matt? He's a workhorse. He's just one of those guys... You put him on an edge, you put him at lock, you put him at prop, he's going to do the job for you. He's, he's one of those guys, he gets the ball, you know, not great service. You know, the team isn't moving forward. You know, they're, they're three tackles in, they're 25 out from their line. He'll just punch it to the 40. You know, he's one of those guys, wh- where do I prefer him to play? Look, I prefer him at lock. Where They're very similar now, you know, props and locks in most cases. But I do like... You know, I, w- I would have liked to have Bunty move straight into the 10 jersey and move Tohu to lock, jazz back to the bench. But Tohu's just going to do a job for you. He's just such a professional. And the way he casts the ball, he's so strong in terms of he's got the ability to stand up in a tackle. He's not always looking for an offload, but he's always looking to stand up to try and make the extra three meters by moving the pack forward a little bit, which I love with a, f- a forward. So, you know, stays on the feet, can get a quick play of the ball in. Um, so I'm all about Tohu. You did mention a couple of things I want to touch on. Sean O'Sullivan and Cody Nicarima from the Warriors side. Um, obviously, you watched the game closely as well. A lot of ball went to Sean O'Sullivan instead of Cody Nicarima. I was, I was surprised. The last two weeks, we've seen a real uptick in Sean O'Sullivan's uh, usage. Now, obviously, no Harris Tavita, so maybe that's just been the game plan all year. The halfback was always going to be dominant, and Cody would float in and out of the game to pick his spots a little bit more. But I'm, I really want to see Cody take on a little bit more of the playmaking ability and, you know, you know, get those receipts up, touch the ball four times a set, you know, get in the first receiver and pass the 20 or forwards. Just get your hands on the ball, look threatening, take a dart every now and again. I want to see Cody step up because I think when the Warriors play their best footy, it's normally on the back of Nikarima. Moving to the Dragons side, one of the things you mentioned, the career, res- the career resurrections of some of these players. I want to single out three of them in particular from the Dragons side that if you said to me before the season, these will be integral parts of a team that's coming, running in the top six right now. And by all, by all looking at it, there's a great chance they're going to stay there. First one, Andrew McCulloch. Much maligned the Broncos, all the Broncos fans saying, get Turpin in there. McCulloch's slow and old, doesn't offer anything. He moves down to the Knights. The Knights who, you know, you know, a couple of lean years, a couple of years, they fall away. While he was there, really, you know, Jaden Braley got injured, so he wasn't there. McCulloch stepped up and really played some nice footy. And that was when the Knights played probably the best footy of the season when 
McCulloch was in there at nine, gets injured, Newcastle falls apart towards the end of the season. Comes to the Dragons now, really under pressure because they've let go of Cameron McInnes, you know, club legend, club captain. They've brought in this old hooker. He's played great. His service and his tackling, you know. As from a hooker, that's all you like, you know, the darting potential and you know, the scooting around the play of the ball, that's really nice. But at the end of the day, your hooker can make a lot of tackles efficiently and get really nice group service out. That's what you need. And he's just doing a great job. He's an on-field leader for them. The next guy, Paul Vaughan, you know, I watched him very closely last year. I had him in fantasy. Looked like a guy who was just not really in it, not really making impact. You had him at the end of the season as well in fantasy. You know, there was a game, play 30 minutes, got hooked, you know, and we're all going, did he get injured? No, he just, the coach thought the go forward was, you know, better with other forwards. This was a guy who played Origin. And this season, he's really stood up. You know, there was a game where got hooked again early for Alvaro. And, you know, the last three weeks, he's been a monster in the middle of the field. And the last guy, Tarek Sims. To me, the last couple of seasons, Tarek has been injured, you know, you know, sloppy defense, shrugs off tackles. This year, he's been a beast. When he gets the ball, they, they're trying to put him in opportunistic places to really get him hitting the line really hard. You know, there's a couple of char- charge downs against Newcastle. I'm loving what he's doing. So, like you said, Hook's just come in. He said straight away, this is the team that I want. This is the team how I want to play. And he's, they're, they're doing it to perfection. And like you said, a guy like Josh Maguire, who still has the mongrel in him and has the fire, as we saw, if you put him into the third angels, all of a sudden this forward pack becomes really formidable. And it's a forward pack that I didn't like at the start of the season. I like that they had some versatility about it. You know, you can play Philly Marino in the middle on an edge. You can play Josh Kerr in the middle on an edge. But the way they're playing right now, it's it's great to see. And, you know, I was a doubter on the hook, but again, he's come in there. He's got a game plan about him and that's all you need. So, mm. you know, I guess closing points on this one, Chris, do we see that can the drag, can the Warriors get the win here or do you think it's going to be the Dragons rolling? Um, it could potentially swing the Warriors' ways, but I, I just see too many positive signs for the Dragons, you know. Uh, I myself have doubted them as well, but one more shout out is definitely to Corey Norman. You know, we, we thought he was going to fade without um, Ben Hunt there. He's just, he stepped up. He, he, he took not just one step, he took many steps up. And I, I think if he can retain that sort of ability when Ben Hunt is back, you know, you can imagine the Dragons going even higher and higher. But I still just honestly still see the Dragons winning this. Potentially the Warriors, if they do come back to their old ways, but uh, nah, I'll give it to the Dragons at home. All right, no worries. We'll move on to the Sunday game. It's the last game of the round from Queensland Country Bank Stadium. It's the North Queensland Cowboys hosting the Canary Bankstown Bulldogs in the wooden spoon bundle that I'm calling right now. It's, you know, it's two teams that are struggling. One team, you know, got a really big win uh, to turn their season around potentially in the Cowboys. The Bulldogs, they scored a point, which was impressive, but got smashed by the storm. So we'll go into the changes here for the Cowboys. Jason Tom Wallolo has been named to make his return from injury again. So he moves into the 13 jersey. Cohen Hess shifts to prop, which moves Francis Moller back to the bench. Ruben Cott is out of the squad altogether. Justin O'Neill is back in the centres, replacing the injured Hammer uh, Fido. And Mitch Dunn um, is in the reserve, so he comes back from his injury. 
We've also got from the Bulldogs some big news out of their training. So Josh Jackson, their club captain, he's suffered a torn calf. So it looks like he's going to be out for at least six weeks. That moves Luke Thompson uh, from prop to lock. We've got uh, Chris Smith, who moves into the reserves. Uh, sorry, into the interchange. And Matt Dury is the new face in the in the reserves here. So, Chris, like we said, it's a possible wooden spoon battle early on in the season. Cowboys hosting the Dogs. How do you see this one going? I'm seeing definitely... Oh, I won't say definitely. I, I'm i looking at it from both perspectives. They both have potential to win this. It's just going to be... What I've noticed really with these sort of lower-tier um, battles is they tend to be very tight. I feel like there's just going to be a lot of errors. There's not going to be a lot of free-flowing footy. Uh, if I had to pick one, I'm liking the Cowboys a bit more. They did show a lot more promise against the the Tigers. I know they didn't play their best game, but uh, with Tamalola back in the side, he himself can can take on this Bulldogs forward pack. Uh, ben Condon has been really good at. Um, the edge. So I think they're starting to find, you know, their little, you know, bright sparks. Uh, the other thing I, I just still can't, you know, seem to get my head around is Ben Hampton at halfback. Is this the long-term option? I, I know Jake Clifford's going down to the Knights, but th- they got to find something a little bit better than Ben Hampton. He did an okay job. Maybe I'd say more, it was more the Scott Drinkwater show rather than Ben Hampton, you know, playing an okay game. Um, but I, I do see the Cowboys being the ones to win this, mainly because of their, you know, their big Tamalola coming back. What about you? Yeah, I'm on the Cowboys on this one as well, just being at home. Um, but like you said, you know, Ben Hamden played okay. He he was he wasn't you know disastrous. Ben Hampton on a wing, letting Ikavalu score four, five tries last season. You know, he's <laughs> he he did his job to to what Todd, I'm sure Todd Payton made a very simple game plan in terms of just make your tackles, pass your balls, like, you know. But when all the criticism about Todd Payton, you know, at the start of the season, everyone thinking he's not a great coach, again, you just got to look at the squad and say, what type, what type of catalyst does this coach have to really put on the field and make a performance? And like you said, a Ben Condon, who there was raps coming up the reserves grade, you know, he's come out and he, he's shown a little bit. So all of a sudden, Okay, looks like I've got my twelve. I've, I've got uh, I've got a potential forward for the future. You know, Francis Smoller. A lot of people go, oh, he's back on the interchange bench. He's not there next season. He's down to the Dragons next year. So, same same as Jay Clifford. You know, right now today is Jay Clifford a better halfback than Ben Hampton? Well, of course he is. But what good does it do for Todd Payton to nurture Jay Clifford for him to go to the Knights next year? So I'm all I'm all for a coach going. Look, that guy's not here next year, and you know, in a Francis Smaller, it's a prop, so you know you can still get some minutes out of him. But okay, he just wants to see what ben, he's got in Ben Hampton because ninety nine percent they're probably going to go to market and grab a grab a halfback off the market. You know, if they're linked to Adam Reynolds, they're linked to Dom Dearden. You know, there's options that they're going to go buy someone. But you know, another guy that is flashing for them, Murray Tuolangi, mm. scored a double last week. So all of a sudden now Todd Payton goes, two weeks ago, I didn't have anyone that I trusted besides Tom Alolo, but now I've got Ben Condon and I've got Tua Luggy. So this is all what he's going to do. Like you, you made a great point before we started recording. Now I want you to repeat now. 
give me your thoughts on Cohen as a prop because I, I love I love the idea of it and I think this is a Todd Payton special to say, is this guy a part of my future plans? What would you say about Cohen as a prop? Well, I was saying how I think Cohen has sort of lost his way in how to become that damaging player that he once was, you know, the fall from grace from being an origin player to someone who's in and out of the reserves team, putting him at prop, I reckon was a very smart move. It sort of simplifies his game to run it hard, run it straight. That's all I want you to do. I don't want you doing any fancy sort of, you know, line running. I don't want you interfering with our halves. I want you to cut it up and just show me how strong you really were, you know, back then. If he can recapture that sort of idea, that uh, mentality, and then if potentially he gets brought back to the to the edge, you know, then he can return, you know, to that sort of person that he once was. But if it, you know, on the other hand, if he does work out really good in the prop, why not keep him there? You know, he's tall, he's big. Just just keep him there, let him do what he once did, but then in a different position, you know, let him take on, you know, the Dylan Napa, the Jack Hetherington, you know. Get ben Condon's doing a fantastic job running those great lines. I remember last game he he took on that um, the opposition and threw a brilliant offload cutout ball off to the winger for Tuolangi to race down the side. You know I don't see Cohen Hess doing that you know anytime soon. So keep Condon there and let Cohen Hess do something else. You know you know explore. And I think people just give Top Paint too much you know flack for for the team. Like you said, if you get given rocks, you can't be expected to produce gold. Yeah, he's doing the best that he can, but he's still searching through the rocks. He's still digging through. He's still trying to find those diamonds, and I think that's something I personally can appreciate from him. Yeah, and going to the other side of the field, the, to me, the criticism of Trent Barrett has been deserved because when you just look at the the talent on both sides of this roster, there's more talent on the on the bulldog side. You know, Kyle Flanagan's got some pedigree about him. Corey Allen, Wuhapuati, Nick Kotrick have all played Origin. Dallin Watins Lesniak has been a uh, New Zealand captain. Napa's played Origin. Adam Elliott's a very handy player. Luke Thompson at an international. So you just look at the two sides together, you would think that the Bulldogs would be doing a lot better. And, you know, Trent Barrett, you know, being the the attacking mastermind, as everyone keeps saying, for the Panthers the last two years, we, we turned our attention now to the Bulldogs. A couple of things that I liked from their performances last week, you know, they got smashed, but I like Dallin, a fullback compared to Nick Meany and Corey Allen. You know, gave him a little bit more of a zis, so I, I like that. Jake Avrilo had a great game, so that's a thumbs up for you and me, Chris. We were pushing for Jake Avrilo being this side from the start. He's there that's now. Right. He tore up. Love it. You know, he, he's the let Cole Flanagan be the organizer. Let Avrilo be the playmaker. Let, let's let let's make that happen. I don't love that Jack Harrington and Dylan Upper is your front row. Would have loved to have seen Luke Thompson remain in the front row and move maybe even Adam Elliott back into 13 or even put Jackson Topany back at 13, you know? But mm. I guess, you know, they, they went three weeks in a row without scoring a try and being very, very poor. You know, they got smashed last week. You know, we need to keep mentioning, you know, a lot of guys saying, you know, they scored eight, they scored three tries, they got 18 points on the board. You conceded 50. And it's against the storm, but let's put it in perspective here. This is the game now. If the Bulldogs are going to not be in the wooden spoon battle this year and they're going to turn their season around, it starts on it starts at Sunday at 4 p.m. You go up to you go up to Townsville and you take this game. Because like I said, you've got more talent, more expectations will put on you this season. Go and win this game. So 
A lot of pressure is going to be on, on Avril and Flanagan to really try and lift this squad. But to me, it's a forward pack. This forward pack needs to go in there, roll up their sleeves, and roll over this Cowboys forward pack, you know. Run over Hess, run over McLean, run over Wright. You know, there's some guys who aren't really playing first-grade quality right now. And to be fair, you know, I check Hetherington. I'm not a fan of it all. Dylan Harper, I think he's cooked. But if they're in there and they're starting props, go in there and smash them and, to, and steal the win. What do you think about that? Yeah, I don't see any other game other than right here, right now, for them to make a stand. If they don't win this game, I I just don't see them turning around any further down the track. Like, surely after, what, five rounds, Trent Barrett surely has figured out, you know, a different game plan. Surely he's figured out if he really is an attacking genius. He should have figured out how to sort of get around and score those tries. You know, yes, he did get a couple, but he, it's got to be better in defense. I think it's more of an effort thing. Um, you know, it happened at Manly. It, he just doesn't seem to have that sort of morale-raising, I guess, feature to his game. You look at a John Morris where you can clearly see the team is literally playing for his career. They've come out, they've stepped up, and they really want to, you know, we're trying to protect John Morris. We want him there. They've shown that. I I just haven't seen anyone really come out and defend Trent Barrett at all. Mm. Regardless whether it's through an interview or through performance, I haven't seen anyone wanting to show that, you know, he is our guy for the future. The one person I do want to say that should really step up is definitely Carl Flanagan. I, I want to see a bit more running from him. I looked at the stats. He had zero um, hit-ups for less or more than eight meters last game, zero. Mm. We're talking, he didn't take the line on once. Mm. Uh, what does that set you up for in terms of the opposition? I, I, I was watching him and Elliot every single time I was watching it with my brother. I said before the ball was going to get to Carl Flanagan, I was going to predict exactly when he was going to flat ball it to Elliot. He did it nine times out of 10. Yeah. Like, sure. Like I understand Elliot got a magnificent offload eventually, but he can be so much more effective. If Carl Flanagan just mixes up his game and just think, you know what? I haven't done this before. Surely they won't be expecting this because I haven't changed in the last five weeks. Maybe it worked this time. And suddenly I have a new tool to my arsenal. Maybe I can maybe kick a little earlier on, you know, in the tackle count, which I'm not sure if you watched the Manly game, which is what I really enjoyed seeing. I think I saw Che Evans um, and Kieran Fawn kick on third, like, you know, five, six times. And it really, you know, put the Warriors off their game. Kicking out of the scrum, you know, we haven't seen that all year. And then all of a sudden we see Jason Saab flying down like an Olympic sprinter and scoring a try. We try different things. So I'm just hoping that Trent Barrett drills into the team and particularly Carl Flanagan do something different. We got to try something different now and we got to really put up that effort, I guess. Because we saw last year, Carl Flanagan can take the line on. Obviously, different teams, the Roosters and the Dogs, but Carl Flanagan was, you know, one of the best support players in the game last year and he had the ability to, you know, stand up with the defense and, you know, set up those short balls, like you said, to your second row up and then take the line on and punch through, you know. So he's, he's, got the, he's got the ability there. So you're right. It's, I think it's uh, – Trent Barrett's got a really – you know, I think it was two weeks ago where uh, the Sharks played and John Morris got his his spine together and he, like, looked at Kennedy, Moylan, Townsend and, and Braley and said, I want you to fucking – I want you to go forward today. I want you to get it done. You know, this is your game. You're going to win this game for us. I really want to see – I haven't seen the pregame pictures yet where Barrett's got the boys around and saying – 
you know, really just boosting the confidence. So I want to see that this week. You're right. I think it's, like I said, it's a stand game. You know, the Cowboys can go two wins in a row here and really try and bring their season up, you know, beat the teams that you're supposed to beat. But this is this is the week for the dogs. So it's going to be very, very interesting. Great. We'll leave it there, Chris. Thanks for coming on, mate. Some very interesting changes. And I'm sure we'll speak later in the week once we are, we, like you said, we've got, a, we've got a nice special origin preview podcast to come. So we're, we'll be in the in the midst of recording that soon. And we'll hopefully have you on for another TOT or review when you can. So thanks for coming on, mate. No worries. Thank you. I really enjoyed my time on it. No worries. And thanks for listening, guys. Again, go to the socials at the NRRE1 at Facebook and Instagram. Please give us a like and a follow. Until we hear from you next time, have a great day. Cheers.